Well, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad you all came to here today. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, my parents, Pastor Stephen Mamie, are out visiting. Uh, they're visiting my my aunt Jenny. She is battling Lou Gehrig's disease, and so my parents made a trip out there to see her, to pray for her, in faith, expecting a miracle. Yeah. You know anything about that disease? That's not a uh, that's not one that you just you know sleep off in a week and it. it, it goes away. Right. So we're expecting a miracle out of that. And I'm excited for them for where they're at and believing with them. So I, I'm excited that they asked me. I got to do this. You guys get to see me. If you are here the other week, we talked about the shield of faith. We're continuing on to finish off the armor of God. We're finally coming to the sword of the spirit. The last part of the series here. Alright? Now, I know for me, as I, I think to myself of the sword of the spirit, and as I think back as me as a kid, I mean, if, if you were out there in the woods, you know, and you're, you're playing with sticks, and you're acting like they're swords, no one's like, well, let me put on my armor first. Nah, man, we're just going straight to the sword so we can start whacking stuff, right? So this is the exciting thing. Any of the kids were like, let me get a shield. You're like stabbing them while they're trying to find a shield. Like, forget that, I already got the sword, I'm ready to go. You know, and that continued on, I find that, you know, that, that same kind of mentality, at least for me, continued on. Maybe just the people I associated with. You, ever, you all remember the movie Gladiator that came out? Yeah. Right? And it was, I mean, it was a crazy story, but man, there were some action sequences where you got to see a sword like this in action. And I still remember to this day, my friend Brian, as we're, as we're watching it, and, you know, they have these elaborate action scenes, you know, and the, the guys going at it with the sword, you know, doing all these crazy moves. I mean, he was he was literally applauding it, you know, beside us, woo, like that, right? But there's something in us that we like to see a good fight, that we like to see good win. And so as we come through this Armor of God series, what I pray, what, we, what I, I was praying for us today is that we really see and understand how this all comes together. And you have every piece of the armor in place in your life to overcome the things that you encounter in your life. And so as we go through it, this is actually a, uh, this was at, I forget which, which museum is out of, but this is a gladius, one of, the, one of the swords that would have been referred to whenever Paul was talking about taking in the armor of God and saying the sword of the Spirit. This is what everybody's mind would go to, is they would think of something that is similar to this. So as we get in today, let's uh, let's do a quick review on the on the PowerPoint here. Let's look at all the pieces that we've, we've talked about. We talked about the belt of truth, and the belt of truth is actually the belt was an interesting thing. It actually held the it held the swords in place on the soldiers, so it's an important part. The breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith. Last week we talked about the helmet of salvation, and now here we're going to talk about the sword of the spirit to round it off. And if you want, you can turn to your Bibles. We're going to be uh, looking at a few different parts in Ephesians chapter 6. So if you kind of land there, that would be a good place to be. We'll, um, we'll get to another part of the uh, two main texts we're going to look at today. But Ephesians 6 is a good one. But I do want to start off with Ephesians 6.11. And we have it on the, on the slide there. It says, and this is the start of it. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against all the strategies and deceits of the devil. Stand firm. And I think that 
the idea of standing firm in me and my Christian faith is, it, it's a really dynamic statement. There's a lot of angles to it. Because I think to a large extent, this standing firm might be one of the hardest parts of Christianity. Because in our lives, we will have every opportunity to not stand firm. And what I want to give the idea with this is standing firm, is it, it isn't in regards to I just stay in one place and I don't move. Because what I found in Christianity that plateaus don't really exist. If I'm not moving forward in my faith with God, I am always drifting backwards. There's no plateau spot that I reach that I'm like, okay, everything's good. I have achieved it. I don't need to do anything else at this point. If you've reached that place, please see me afterwards. I have a lot of questions and I need some advice. <laughs> but the standing firm is more of holding to the mindset of, if I am a Christian, I am sold out that my life is given for Jesus Christ. That I will try to change my life to be more like His. I will experience His blessing. I will grow in my faith. And I'm going to stand firm that I'm going to continue in those things. And I think that's where the trick is that some Christians feel like we get to this point and it's, okay, I can coast for a bit. No. The moment that we think that we've plateaued or that we can coast, we should really be aware that we're going to drift back. And I found that the world, the world doesn't give us much leeway with this. Amen. Experiences of life Man, they're, they're coming out at you two-fisted broadside, non-stop. Whether it's the situations that you find yourself in, whether you were the creator of that situation or not, the thoughts that you battle, the problems that you face, it's continual. And I find that standing firm, if you look at that, it takes a lot of effort. Because if I would just take a look, maybe just a, a quick survey of my last last couple, couple, couple months, I find that I don't just find myself just accidentally breaking into prayer at random parts of the day. Just by accident, oh, hey, caught myself praying again. You know, just driving, whatever, this guy's slow driving in front of me, not even going to speed limit. Oh, man, Lord, I'm just praying again for him. How did, how did that happen? Anybody else? No? Looks too real? I don't know. Or how about, do you just, I mean, just like, oh, I just, I didn't find myself just speaking blessings, you know, over my family and coworkers just by accident without even thinking about it. I just spoke blessings over everyone around me. No, it was like at my work, it's like more of like I'm consciously thinking, how do I say this that I don't have to then go repeat this to HR later? You know, like, <laughs> it's like some real, like, man, I'm going to have to stand firm here. Or how many times did you just, you know, just sit down this week and you thought, oh my gosh, just, what do I do with all these positive thoughts? I just can't stop thinking about positive thoughts. Oh my word. It's like if they could just slow down for a little bit, I can process them one at a time, but my gosh, they just keep coming. No, 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 no. I find that I have to stand firm that it's like there, there are times that my thoughts come and it's like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Like, can we, can we go back to negative thoughts? That was a lot easier to, to contemplate than this recent one that just came through. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and worry about that first before I can even think about these things coming in. Is it real? That's how it is. 
Or how many opportunities did you have this week where you're just getting tons of, man, I just, my phone was ringing off the hook with everybody just telling me what a blessing I am in their lives. And just how, how I, they just want to do things for me and give me a break because of how much I'm doing for them. You know, I mean, my, my kids, I mean, just, I, I didn't even know what to do with all the compliments my kids gave me, all the cards they gave me. I, I, I didn't even know what to do with them. No, nah, it's not like that, right? It's, it's almost, you, you get little bits of that, but it's a lot of the opposite. And I find that this is where standing firm matters. Because those things are going to hit you whether you want them to or not. And what I found that a lot of those problems that I face in my life, and this is the worst part of it, the problems that I face in my life, rarely whenever I actually get into them, face value is not usually it. The negative hot thoughts that I have, it's not just because I'm dealing with anxiety. It might be a deeper root of how I really think about myself and how I don't think that I deserve good things. My bad attitude that spills over to everybody else, that isn't just because, well, I had a bad day. Maybe it's something deeper where I feel like that I've been mistreated or that God's given me the short end of the stick somewhere in my life. Maybe my frustration towards others is really not me just, man, there's annoying people everywhere around me, there's annoying. Maybe it's because I have unforgiveness in my heart towards one person and it spills out to everybody else. Maybe the reason that, you, that I feel alone is really not because nobody understands me. Maybe it's because I'm the one refusing to make any changes in my life to just okay. be a better person to be around. Okay. Right. But here's what I'm here to tell you. No matter what problem you're facing today, no matter where you find yourself at in the whole spectrum of what we just gave through there, maybe you feel like, nah, it's not that bad for me. You know, I can laugh at some of those. And other parts of the host is like, yeah, I'm going to laugh because otherwise I'm going to cry because that's dead on. No matter where you're at on that, Jesus Christ has given you the tools. And Jesus Christ has given you his life and his love to get past any circumstance any situation, any state where your life is in. He has better for you. He has planned better for you. And He wants to see you there. He is 100% on your side, ready to give you every piece of equipment that you need to do it in the current state that you are in today. Right now, right here. It says that He is close to us so that we can approach God's throne whenever we need mercy and we need grace. He's right there with us, ready to go. It's like He's rooting. He's saying, no, 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 come on, let's take this to God. We can get the grace and mercy that you need right here, right now. Jesus Christ is 100% on your side. In the whole armor of God, we're going we're to rewind it one verse. This whole armor of God is all about this. In Ephesians 6.10 it says, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Be strong in the Lord. The entire concept of every piece of this armor has to come back to Jesus Christ in our life. If it's us thinking that we're going to achieve this and we're going to do this on our own, 
We're not doing it in the strength of his might. We're doing it in what we imagine. In the moment we do that, man, I'm telling you what, it's like the devil's like, okay, they want to do it on their own? Let's play. Because at that moment, I'm not wearing the armor. I'm not relying on his power. I'm going it alone. He's an eternal being that has been around a lot longer than me. And he's smarter than us. And he knows what buttons to push. Man, have you ever, have you ever, you ever been that? It's almost like sometimes you go through situations in your life and like you think your day is going in a certain way. And then something else happens and it just throws you over that edge. And it's like, I, if, if a world-class novelist was writing this, they could not have written a better problem for me right now. But yet, here we are experiencing it. I want to let you know that you don't, it's not about the story that's been written up to this point, but it's about what Jesus Christ will do in your life after this point. Amen. Amen. We're strong in the Lord and in the power and strength of His might. And all of this ties back into it. So here we are in verse 17, Ephesians 6, 17, the last part of our, of our complete, of, of the armor. Last week, take the helmet of salvation, which we talked about protecting ourselves from thoughts. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I love it because that opens up so many possibilities to us. To say that the sword of the Spirit is the actual Word of God. And what I love about the Bible is the Bible is constantly taking many different angles on one simple concept. There's so many levels to it. So whenever I see something like it says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, my first question would be, well, what is the Word of God? Where else do I see that in Scripture? What does that really mean to me? And what I love about it is that if you read in the Bible, even God himself, it's founded this, on this idea that one thing isn't necessarily just one thing. And here's what I mean. The principle of the Godhead. Three separate entities, individual, but yet all one. Father, Spirit, Son. Even the essence of where he says his name when he tells it to Moses is, I am. Well, what does that mean? He's all-encompassing. There is nothing that he is not. He's all things at once. Even where he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. In our mindset, because we think so linear sometimes, it's like, well, you can't be two things at once. Yet, that's what he says. Now, there's, a, there's an idea, and if anybody in here is a, an advanced physicist, you'll, you'll have to forgive me for... for butchering this. But here you go. I, I can remember I can remember a, a conversation that I had with someone, this is probably 20 years ago, and they 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 were they kept going back and saying that the idea that God is three in one is just impossible. There's nothing that is like that. You know, and you know like is it 20 years ago you kind of go back to the thing like, well it's like an egg, you know, the shell, the yolk, you know, the gooey stuff that nobody wants to touch in the egg. You know, it's all three separate things, but if I look at it, it's all an egg, right? And, and they're just like, yeah, no, that's not, that's not, that's not, that's not, that's not. But recent times, there's this new concept that you, you see more and more written in, in news art, in, in articles talking about research, and it's the whole idea of quantum physics or quantum mechanics. The idea that one thing can be 
multiple things at once. And you might say, quantum, I've heard that before, like quantum leap? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I mean, Sam and Al said I can't make the next leap until I finish the sermon today anyway, so, uh, we're going to keep going. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, Chris, we're really on the drums here. No, but these, this idea, this idea is that Matter, the thing, what we see, what we touch in the universe, that if it's exposed in different situations or even observed in different ways, that it becomes different things. So there's this experiment they call the, the double slit experiment, actually done all the way back in the 1800s. And what they did is they took light and they had two of the very narrow slits in a paper or whatever the medium was, but they shine light through it and now we know that light is a wave. Right? But those light waves are made up of these little tiny things they call photons. Like individually. They break it down individually to a photon. Well, whenever they shine it, just the light in general, they see that, okay, it's an interference wave pattern behind it. It goes through the slits in an interference pattern. Well, then they got to the point where they said, hey, we're good enough that we can shoot one little tiny photon through. Let's do that and see what happens. You know, let's do that over and over to see, you know, if it chooses one side or the other more often. Well, so they shot one through, and then they go to look at it, and on the other side, it shows up on both places. Like, well, that's, that's the possible. Keep doing this. So they keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. It keeps behaving the same, the same, the same, the same. Finally, they say, and this is where it gets weird. They say, we're going to watch this in, in action. We want to see exactly what this looks like. We're going to figure this out, right? So then whenever they observe it and watch it happen, well, it just goes through one. It just behaves like one single little photon, not a wave. Like, well, that's not possible. So then they don't watch it. But then it ends up in two. And then they go back and watch it, try to observe it. And no matter how they observe it, every time they actually look at it, it behaves differently. And so scientists are baffled. They're like, well, what is it? It's either a wave, or it's one. It's behaving like it's more than one. What is this? And if you read about it, scientists have no explanation for it. They can't even tell you why does it behave differently whenever you actually observe it. Don't know. But they said they used this phrase, well, this is the, the quantum theory, is that light is behaving in multiple ways at the same time, in different ways, in ways that almost are paradoxical to each other. They don't make, it doesn't make sense how it is doing this, but it is doing this. And I think to myself, here, the most advanced minds on earth can't come up with it. And it's almost like God's like, yeah, 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 the, 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 the whole idea about one thing being able to be many things. Yeah, maybe I founded the entire existence off of that because I am more than one thing. And so it's kind of like for science, it's like, well, thanks for catching up with the idea of Godhead, you know, all yeah. these years later, finally admitting that it's beyond understanding. And so for us, it can be hard to grasp, but yet it is. So whenever I think about this, I love the idea that the Word of God, if the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, it's more than just one thing at one time for me in my life. It can become adaptable to anything that I need at any moment. Let's go over to John chapter 1. And let's take a look at this. Keeping in mind that if... Jesus, it, 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 keep in mind that the Bible is saying that we're supposed to be strong in the Lord, strong in Jesus, and the power of His might. We have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Check this out in John 1. 
It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. There, if I read just those those four verses, I am grasping Jesus Christ is so many different things all at once. It says that He is the Word. It says that He's the Creator. Nothing is in existence without going through Him first. It says that He is the light, the light of men. He's all these things at once. And if we go down to verse 14, and I love this. Check this out in verse 14. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory. Glory as the only begotten from the Father. Full of grace and truth. Man, so right there in those, those five verses, think about this, think about this, think about this. Jesus Christ is the Word of God. He is the light. He is the life. So whenever I think of the sword of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit is literally Jesus Christ Himself who is in me, who loves me, who has given me all good things. He's the glory of the Father. He's grace. He's truth. If you look at, if you go through the Bible, there, you'll, you'll see there are some over 950 different names that God has either given, referred to, or given credit by uh -huh. in the Bible. 950. Now, if I think about that, my Jesus Christ, my Savior, is capable of becoming anything that I need to battle in a circumstance. There's not one situation or circumstance that I come into that He is not able to change. Short list. Maybe in my life, it's up on PowerPoint, I need, the, I need life and I need resurrection. Jesus Himself said, I am the resurrection and the life. Guys, life and a resurrection aren't events. They're a person. Yes. yes. Amen. More, able to be more, more than one thing at one time. He's hope whenever you need it. In Psalms it says, He is hope to the, all the ends of the earth. He's healing whenever you need it. In Proverbs it says that, my words are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. My words. Who's the word? Jesus Christ. Who's our sword? Jesus Christ. Maybe we need guidance and peace. Or it says that he is our wonderful counselor, our prince of peace. Maybe we need wisdom, understanding, counsel, strength, and knowledge. Man, look at Isaiah 11, 2. It says, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. They're talking about that spirit being on Jesus Christ. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the Bible says that Jesus Christ lives in me. And it says that I am one with Christ. So that means that all of those things are literally part of my very essence because I've been given it through Jesus Christ. Maybe it's protection, redemption that we need. I love it in Psalms. It says, you, O Lord, are a shield for me. 
the glory and the lifter of my head. Maybe it's power. Man, I tell you what, Psalms, you go through Psalms, you can gain so much. I mean, it's like it's like Israel's greatest hits, right? They're all supposed to be like songs, but I mean, like, there's so many good things in there. Psalm 68:35. It says, Oh God, you are more awesome than your holy places. The God of Israel is he who gives strength and power to his people. Blessed be our God. Maybe it's power that you need. But here we go. Sometimes the sword gets a little personal. Maybe it's correction. Uh -huh. yeah. Come on, man. I thought we were talking about using this thing as a weapon. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> it is. We're going to look at how this weapon, it's used on us, too. In Psalm 94, 12, it says, Blessed is the man who you correct, O Lord, and who you teach your law. Yeah. Jesus Christ is also our correction. Why? So you can be blessed? That's what it says. Look, God knows that there are situations and circumstances in your life. If we're honest about it, we really ask Him, Lord, did I create this situation? If you go to Him honestly, He'll tell you. And He'll show you. I tell you what, if, if you want to hear from God, I talk, we say this in, the, in mile one all the time. If you want to hear from God, the fastest way to hear from God is to ask God what you need to correct in your life. Right. And then be open to actually hear what that correction point is and start there. Hey, maybe he'll just give you that first little step in that journey and as you keep going to it, it becomes something a lot bigger. But if you want to hear from God, the first place to hear it is in correction. In Hebrews 4.12, we're talking about our sword being Jesus. Man, this sword is, is powerful stuff. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to tell you, whenever I list, I actually ask God, Lord, did I do the right thing in this situation? I find that it's very quick. That if I keep a practice with that, and I keep asking God to do that, I find that that, man, that, sh that sword is awfully sharp. Oh, yeah. And it will pierce through the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now I'll tell you this. Some of the Christians you see in their life, you see men... Why? If, if, it seems like whenever problems come up, they're really able to overcome that, or they're really able to get past these things, or man, God really gives them a lot of victory in these areas over this stuff, and I feel like, man, I, I don't get any of it. The fastest way to short, sharpen the sword of the Spirit is to sharpen it on yourself. Amen. Because the more I apply that sword of the Spirit, who is my Savior, Jesus Christ, the whole concept of Jesus is He is saying, give me all of your brokenness, and I'll give you my perfection. But if we hold to our brokenness and we don't want to hear correction in our lives, He will not be able to give us the perfection that He wants to give us in our life. Some of the problems that we are facing in our life where we just feel like God has not given us provision is because we're the ones that hold it back. And I'm here to encourage you today. The, you want to terrify Satan and every demonic force on this earth? Give yourself over to what God wants to speak into your life. Amen. 
Once you do that, look out. You will be a terror. You will be. And we're going to look at a few of, of how this plays out with it. But whenever you do that, and whenever Satan knows, man, all of a sudden you're going to find whenever I do that, all of a sudden certain thoughts don't bother me anymore. Why? Well, because he doesn't want to waste his time on it. I, yeah, they got that locked up. I'm not even going to bother with it. And I found in my own life that whenever I allow the Holy Spirit to correct me and change my own thoughts and admit, hey, some of my thinking's wrong with this. Now, like, Satan, I feel like he's always, like, trying to throw something to look for, like, the, the, little, the little crack, you know? But whenever God's giving you victory over an area, and he tries to reattack it, and you notice it, it's like, nah, don't even try. I got this locked down. Go pound sand. God wants you in a good place. But here's the, here's the trick with it. We've got to remember, up on the screen it says, Jesus Christ, he is your sword. And he is exactly what you need to win your battles. Amen. Now, these two points, we're going to take a quick look at this. These two points I'm going to show you next. Number one, I'm going to say number one. Number one. You don't get to choose every battle. And number two, you don't get to choose every battlefield. I don't know about you, but I've noticed that I don't get taster's choice in what problem I want to deal with this week. And I don't get to choose what day and what time that fits in into my schedule. I find that it happens no matter what. <laughs> We're going to take a look at a guy, uh, Paul. We're going to take a look at his life here at the end of the book of Acts, 27, chapters 27 and 28. I'm going to be jumping around through some scriptures for it. You can just you know, jot that down or look at it later. It's, it, is, it is actually a really wild end of the book of Acts, which if you read the book of Acts, it's fitting for the book of Acts. But here's Paul. Paul is probably one of the greatest, the greatest apostles this world has ever seen. He's written more than two-thirds of the New Testament. He has founded church after church after church. So many miracles go through. And here's the thing. Paul is set up, and he has let Jesus Christ be his sword and give him something here. The first thing Paul knows is he has purpose. He has purpose that God wants him to share the gospel. Now, up to this point, what's really interesting is right before chapter 27, you know where Paul's at? Jail. He just got put before a couple kings, you know, had, had a little bit of dialogue, some good parts, some bad parts. Paul is not, I, I, I doubt that Paul was like, hey, let's choose the battlefield uh, jail. Jail sounds like a good place to start. We'll start with jail, and then uh, let's see the battles. Let's see. High-ranking officials that don't believe me. Let's go with that one. I doubt that's what he chose. But the thing with Paul if you read the book of Acts, the guy is laser-focused. You want to read about a guy that is standing firm, it's Paul. He's also the guy that wrote about the armor. Just like, you know. <laughs> so here's Paul. He has an idea that he could go free, but he's, no, 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 no. i got a purpose in me. I've been given a word of purpose, and I want to take it all the way up to Caesar, the head of all of this in Rome. So they say, all right, we're going to, get, we're going to put you on a boat. You're going to Rome, baby. Paul gets a word from G from God that says, hey, uh, not a good idea to go on the boat. His sword, the sword of the Spirit, battling in this battlefield, in this battle, gives him wisdom. Tell them that there's going to be problems. Right. So Paul tells them, hey, centurion, hey, captain, this is not a good idea. We shouldn't do this. And, of course, nobody listens. Right, right, right. 
I mean, none of you probably know what that feels like, you know, but it was unique to Paul. This is, you know, somehow this is what happened, you know, he tried to give godly advice and nobody listened to him. Um, but here it is. Again, not a battle that he would choose. Hey, I got a word from God. I'm trying to avoid problems here. I'm telling you, and nobody listens. Probably not the battle that he would have chosen, right? Didn't stop him. So they go out to see in just, just as, as, as he was told, to see it gets ugly. Like, to the point where he gets another word from God that says, everything on this ship, the ship included, it's all going to be gone. Your lives will be saved, though. So there it is. The sword gives him hope in that circumstance. I doubt Paul then was like, okay, look, jail. Officials don't believe me. Next up, I'm going to choose the battlefield of rocky seas and total destruction of the ship. We're going to go with that one. You think it's the battlefield he chose? I, no. 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 The answer is no. In case you're wondering, like, is it a true question? Like, Paul really chooses? I don't know. Like, the Bible gets weird sometimes. No, he didn't choose any of this. But yet, he gets the word, your lives will be saved. His sword, Jesus Christ, gave him hope to fight that battle. Check it out. And I love this. So the, 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 the ship is wrecked. They are floating on planks in the water. Right? Floating on planks in the water. And they make it to an island called Malta. Uh -huh. But here we go. You wouldn't think if I'm shipwrecked at sea that a plank is provision, would you? No. It was the Paul. Sometimes the things we're given in life that we want to take for granted so quickly and so easily, we cast it over. The situations and the circumstances. God, why was I put into this circumstance? Why did this happen to me? Why? Why? What if, what if this didn't happen? Sometimes we overlook the provision that God's given us. Because we're more caught up in the circumstance that we're in and how we feel. Here, I'm going to tell you, not all of us are dealt the same hand in life. Not at all. Not at all. Not all of us are dealt the same hand in life. But we're all given the same provision. Jesus Christ. And His provision reaches us where we are at for what we need. But let's check out with Paul, because, you know, it's going to get better for him, right? So we go to Malta. They're shipwrecked on the Malta. They get up onto this. And here's the thing. He's, he's going to go try to get fire. You know, he doesn't want to look like, you know, the, 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 the missionary guy that doesn't know how to handle himself. So, you know, he's, he's helping them get fire, make a fire. And as he's doing that, gathering wood, a viper bites onto the dude's hand. It says that it latched on. Like, it's sticking to him, right? Okay. If I read the Bible and I read the account of it, Paul, Paul just, it's almost like he doesn't have a reaction to it. Shake it off. He just shakes it off in a fire. Get out of here. Shake it off. Now here's the thing. A man that knows his armor that is on him and knows the provision of Jesus Christ, it's almost like getting shipwrecked at sea. Nope, I'm not going out like this. There'll be provision, we'll get through it. Getting bit by a snake? Not going out like this. He told me that I would, I'm going to Rome. Not going out like this. All of a sudden you see that Jesus Christ is becoming a different kind of sword for him in these circumstances. That it didn't matter what the battle was. It didn't matter what the battlefield was. His hope in, was in Jesus Christ. Nailed down so hard it didn't matter what happened. I'll get through it. I'll get through it. He shakes it off. And this is... This is the interesting thing. 
The island then, it's a stir. Do God, it, 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 do you want to tell, here, I'll give you this, this is uh, interesting. So, they get shipwrecked, and he gets bit by a viper, and the people of the island immediately say, you must have been a murderer, he deserved it. <laughs> and then after he shakes the viper off, and he doesn't die, they're like, well, he must be a god. <laughs> here we go, here we go, here we go. You can't take your life moment by moment based on what the people around you are saying. You need to take what you hear and you need to go to your Heavenly Father. You need to go to your Savior, Jesus Christ, because He will tell you the truth. Now here, let me, let me say this. It's not to say that sometimes people speak truth to us. I mean, if Jesus Christ is in every single one of us, that means that Jesus Christ can speak to me through you. But I do need to listen to my Father. Amen. And I need to recognize that, hey, not everything that I hear from someone needs to dictate my entire life. Amen. Amen. There could be truth in it. There could be truth in it. But if you got the armor on, you'll know the truth. Now here's, here's where the opportunity really hits. So he goes to see the guy, the, the guy that runs the place, Publius. I mean, you know, if you're looking for a baby name, there's, there's one but he goes to him, and they're giving him great, great provision and great care, and he sees, now check this out, here we go, here we go. He sees that his father is sick with a fever and dysentery. And Paul says, I'm going to go into it, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to lay my hands on and heal him. Now listen, that same hand that got bit by that viper is now performing healing. If Paul decided whenever that ship got wrecked, whatever, God, I thought you were with me. It didn't. Paul stayed laser focused. We'll get through it. I know what God, I, I know my Lord, the Lord's on my side. Paul, if, if I look at this, he had every opportunity to give up and to change the course of this in his heart, and he didn't. I mean, literally, I think like spiritually, that guy is just ripping this stuff apart with the sword, man. Like, he is just, everything that is coming up to him, though, Jesus Christ is in front of me. He's my protection. He's my provision. He's my healing. He's all of it right here, right now. He is my encouragement. I'm sure that Paul needed some encouragement during this. What a great example. But here it comes back to, you don't get to choose the battle, and you don't get to choose the battlefield. Now here's, here's what I want to touch on, is sometimes in our lives, with this sword, we need to be sure that we, uh, we understand it's not always going to be used the same way. Now if you look, if you look at different swords, I was trying to like Google to see all the different historical swords, man, there's a, they, they, the one side that I was reading said there's 28 genres of different swords. You know, the, and there's a lot of variations that all go through. And it's amazing how, if you start to read them, how varied they all are in their different uses. And I think it's good to take that into consideration that in the same way, Jesus Christ, the Word of God, which is living and active, is ready to adapt to whatever situation you find yourself in. Because not every battle is one using the same tactics. You know, we have the strategy. The strategy is that I am in the Lord. 
I am working in the strength of His might. I am reliant on Jesus. Jesus is my anchor point. That is the strategy. That is what's going to get us through this life. But I find that my individual circumstances, sometimes they need a little bit of a tweak for me to attack them differently. I can't just take everything the same way and think that it's always going to come out. You know, some, some, tack, some, maybe some of the situations that we're in, it requires us to actually speak something out of our mouth and maybe rebuke a situation using the name of Jesus. In the Bible, you see that Jesus spoke and rebuked sickness, spoke against fear. Maybe there's situations in our life that we need to speak something out of our mouth against the sickness or against fear or anxiety that we that we face. If Jesus gave us the authority over it, and if, this is where I got to say, you got to read. If you read, if you read the Gospels, you see how Jesus approached situations and problems. You should approach them the exact same way. And actually, that's how God would approach them. Jesus said, "I only do what I see my Father doing. I'm only saying what He is telling me to say. I'm not speaking on my own initiative." And I think it's interesting. I do think our words matter quite a bit. Yeah. And I do think whenever we speak Scripture, it matters quite a bit. It's interesting to me that in the book of Revelation, whenever Jesus actually shows up and he goes into battle, it says that a sword comes out of his mouth to slay his enemies. There's something tied in there. Maybe some of the, some of the tactics that we need to take with the sword are correction. We touched on this earlier, but correction in our own life. 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. Maybe some of the problems that we face, if we would just let God speak to our hearts and we'd make the adjustments of our own attitude, our own hearts, our own thoughts, we might find that the problem is erased just simply by His power. After all, it was supposed to be his power and his might that I'm working with this Maybe some of the tactics that we have require some reflection. Maybe that's how I need to use my sword. I love, the, I love it in Romans where it talks about Abraham. And it says that Abraham was pretty honest about his situation. He recognized how old he was and he recognized how old his wife was. It says that he took that into consideration but he didn't let it change his faith. And I like to imagine this. I like to think of this. That maybe, maybe Abraham took a few moments to reflect on that. Maybe he thought, you know, whenever God called me out of Ur and told me to leave, he provided for me. Whenever, every, every time I encountered a king or someone, they showed me respect. I was protected. Every circumstance that I had, whenever with my livestock, all of it was blessed. Everywhere that I've gone, he's, he's guided me. Whenever I talk to him about Sodom and Gomorrah, he actually listened to me. Maybe I need to put my faith in him after all. Sometimes for us, we need to recall the things that the Lord has done in our past. Right. And if you're having a bad enough day and a bad enough time where you can't, and you can't even come with the, up with that for your own life, go to the Scriptures. Because they'll show you how faithful he was Amen. to generation after generation, yes. to those that he loved and those that he called. Yes. Maybe some of our tactics require reasoning. 
There was a time in my life where I was dealing with condemnation and depression, and then not conviction like I did something wrong, but literal condemnation, where I felt like if my life ended here now, I had no chance of eternal life. And that's a, a gnawing darkness that is tough to get rid of. And it felt like no matter what I did, no matter how many church services I went to, that I could have, I could, I mean, at one point I had every single scripture written down on forgiveness, and it just felt like, man, they're just not permeating out. I'm not feeling like God's really forgiven me. I feel like there's something still here that I'm, is going to cost me. And there's a scripture in Romans chapter 8 where it says that those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And all of a sudden I started to reason and I thought, well, the last two weeks I wrote down three things that I know for a fact God led me in. I thought, well, if I'm being led by the Spirit of God, I must be a son of God. And if I'm a son of God, well, then I'm not condemned. Right. And I'm telling you, in, I, I, still, I still remember the place where we were in Master's Commission at Grace Outreach Center. I know exactly where I was standing whenever that hit me. And it was like that reasoning, all of a sudden, it was like that sword just cut that. There you go. And it was done. Sometimes it requires us taking some effort to let that word, maybe it's not, maybe it's not just exactly what you're reading, but there's more that God wants you to think through. Maybe some of the tactics you need to use with the sword are replacement or imagination. Maybe you're taking medicine for something that is ongoing. Maybe the challenge to change that sword is to think, well, my, if it says that the Word of God is health to all my body. Maybe I can imagine whenever I take this medicine, the correction that it's doing to me is like what the Word of God would do to me but better. The Word of God is doing this in my Every time I read the Bible, every time I pick this book up and I read something in it, it's medicine changing my body. It's changing my genetics. Maybe it's imagination. Maybe that's the tactic. You know, some of it, maybe the, maybe the tactic is intimidation. Maybe you need to show the problem just what you're working with. If you read, if you read in history, this is an interesting one. During the time of the Vikings, there was warriors that they would call berserkers. And what they would do is instead of going into armor or going into a battle with armor on, they would strip down to nothing but a loincloth and a sword. And whenever they would go into battle beforehand, they would actually, as they're facing the enemy, start to cut themselves as they start to go into that battle. They're giving that enemy the idea, because here's the thing, if you read about it, every, every warrior, no matter what, there was always a reservation in a fight for self-protection. Mm-hmm. Holding back just a little bit, not to overexpose yourself. I, I don't want to wound you at the cost of my own expense. The berserker was different. It was saying, look, I don't care what happens. I'm going to take you out, no matter the case. And I'm willing to sacrifice myself to do it. Maybe if we let that living word permeate us and cut us deep right. to where it divides our thoughts and intentions, our soul and our spirit, and we're letting that sword cut deep. We're letting Jesus Christ reach into the deep parts of our heart and change the things that we've sat in for years. All of a sudden, it's like we're that berserker. Satan, you want to bring this on? Look at my body. Look what I've let my Savior do to me already. You think you can do better? Go for it. I'm ready. If I need to change, I'll change. 
It all of a sudden becomes a matter of, a matter of intimidation to our enemy. All right. As we come around to a close here, I want to take a look at, I want to take a look at our Savior and how He faced the battle and what He did by using the Word of God in it. It's in Luke chapter 4. It talks about Jesus being in the desert. And for sake of time, I'm going to kind of jump through it here a little bit and paraphrase parts. But there's parts of it I really want us to get. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. Look here, guys. Jesus Christ didn't even get to choose the battlefield. He didn't get to choose the battles either. It says he ate nothing during those days, and when he had end, when they had ended, he became hungry. Shocking. The devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Remember I said that sometimes problems aren't face value? Right? What Satan's really getting after this is, here you are, you've given, you're full of the Spirit, but now you're hungry. Is God really providing for you for what you need? Do it yourself. Turn that stone into bread for yourself. Do it yourself, you can do it. But you see, whenever Jesus Christ, his, the Word is our anchor point. And you begin to understand that I am literally one with Him. And whenever things are tough and whenever I think that I need provision, maybe it isn't that God's going to stop just like Paul. Maybe it's not Him stopping the storm in the sea. Maybe it's Him. His provision is Him giving you a plank. Here, stay afloat in the water. Well, that's not what I wanted, God. <laughs> but it's what I'm giving you. My strength is enough for you. And I'll see you through it. Paul could have complained and would have erased the entire revival that happened in Malta after that. But he didn't. And so here the temptation for Jesus is, be your own provision. Don't do it through God. And I love this, this picture. It's by an artist, Ivan Kromskoy. It's called Christ in the Desert. And I think to myself, this is what spiritual warfare looks like. There's a man that didn't get to choose the battle or the battlefield. And that thought just entered his mind. Turned that stone into bread. And now he has the choice of what he does with it. And I, man, the more I thought about this section of scripture, guys, the entire plan of redemption could have been gone right here. All of it. Spiritual warfare isn't always the most glamorous thing. It isn't, you know, we want to make it some big thing where we're getting down, I got to six hours a day, I'm going to beat this problem in Jesus' name. Sometimes it's that thought, am I going to really act on that or not? Jesus comes back and says, it is written, man will not live on bread alone. Jesus made this comment to his disciples too. He said, yeah, I have bread that you don't know of. 
He realized that his source in this life wasn't all the provision that was around him. It was his Heavenly Father. And it's the same for you. No matter how weak you are, be sure you rely on his provision, his armor, not what you think is best. You say, well, how do I figure that out, Pastor Ben? How do I know if I'm even doing that? Remember what I said, if we go to God and ask him to correct us and guide us, he's going to speak to us. And that sword, that living word, is going to divide the intentions of your own heart. It'll show you. Guaranteed. Jesus comes into the next one where he says that Satan takes him in a moment of time and he puts him up above and sees the glory of all the nations and he says, all, Satan says, all this has been handed over to me and I can give it to whoever I want. If you worship before me, it's all yours. The temptation here, Jesus could have shortcut the plan. He could have avoided the cross. He could have avoided all of that and he could have had the nations of the world. I'm sure there was a further conversation here. Just think what would happen if you ruled all of this. Just think of how that would be different. But here's the thing. Sometimes the plans God has for, for us will have hardship. And, but that hardship will always produce something so far greater than what you could have ever imagined in and of yourself. But you have to go to your Savior to find out what that is. Amen. Jesus replies back to him, it's written, you shall worship the Lord and serve Him only. And then last but not least, Satan tells him, led him to Jerusalem, he stood on the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it's written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Now here's the dangerous part. Satan knows the word. Yeah, he does. And he will twist it. Yes, he will. Jesus replies back, you won't put the, it's written that you won't put the Lord your God to the test. Sometimes in our lives, guys, there's a time to exhibit God's power, and there's other times to rely on God's power. But we should never force it. We say, what do you, what do you say with that? What do you say with that? There needs to be some humility in our lives that I don't have total control of every circumstance that I'm in. And I can't dictate the outcome how I want it to. But I can rely on the Lord that He will provide for me in my situation. And I know that whenever His, His provision for me will be perfect. And not only this, and this is what I love, is that everything you go through, guys, isn't just for you. It's for you to share it with somebody else around you. Why would God put me through all this? Why would He make me go through all this? Because He has a bigger plan than just your life, and He wants other people to be impacted by it. Amen. All of this comes to two things. Number one, you have to have Jesus Christ as an anchor point in your life. Right. He is your armor, every single part of it. And number two, for the sword of the Spirit to work, you have got to know this. Amen. If you do not know this, you might as well be playing with a pool noodle out there. 
Because you won't know what's promised to you. You won't know how to use that sword. You won't know, well, is this, should I worry about this, or is this something that Jesus is going to take care of? I don't know. I, 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 I don't know the scriptures in that. You know what? The more you get into this, the more of a danger you are to darkness. The more you can do true spiritual warfare, because why? I can, I can handle the mental thoughts of my own mind. And now it's not just me, but I can go into somebody else and help them with theirs. Now I'm on the offensive. It's not just me dealing with everything, but now I'm able to impart to somebody else. Satan doesn't want you in that circumstance. And he will do everything that he can to keep you so pent up with all the problems in your life that you never actually get to go and move into somebody else's. Don't be there. God has such beautiful plans for you. All the people in your family that you feel like are, are lost, there's no chance. You don't know that. That feeling might be the viper on your hand that you just need to shake off and get the right perspective because that same hand is going to deliver them. The problems that you face, no, 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 no. That plank that I'm sitting on right now in the middle of the ocean, that's not my problem, that's my provision. You just wait and see what God does with this. Jesus Christ is our sword. Jesus Christ is our anchor point. And whenever we know this, beyond anything else, we're able to do spiritual warfare in a totally different way than we ever thought possible. I hope today that you got a few bits and pieces, some tastes of what you can do with the sword of the Spirit and how it can change your life. And before we take off today, I want to give everybody the opportunity. This is the most important part of what we'll do today. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. You do not have a personal relationship with Him. You have not given your life over to Jesus Christ. I'm going to give everyone the opportunity to do that today. So if you could here with your head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around, the most important part of what we're doing today, for you watching online, Maybe this is speaking to you and you say, I have not given my life over to Jesus Christ. I want to give you the opportunity to do that today. If you're here and you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you want him as the anchor point, the source of your hope for salvation for all eternity, to be your Savior and your King, I want you to raise your hand. You say, I've never done that, but I want to today. Raise your hand. I see that. That's good. Anybody else? Anybody else? The prayer to do it is simple. But it's a big decision. Let's say this together. Say, Lord, I believe Jesus is the Savior, the Son of God. I believe He forgave me of my sins. I accept Him today as my Savior, my Redeemer. Thank you, Jesus. Before we go today, knowing that we've all accepted Jesus Christ, now we can take communion. We're going to do it a little bit different. We have, we have two set up here. If we have the pieces of bread that I know that some folks, if you can't do gluten, we've got some of the traditional rice wafers over here. But we want to, what we want to do is we want to have everybody 
come on up. We can come up to the front. We can grab that, come back to our seats, and we'll partake of communion together. If you could, we'll, what we'll do is come down to center, grab the elements, and just head back to your seat. We'll finish off today celebrating and remembering everything that Jesus did for us.
And that's something that we don't want to forget. Maybe you're struggling with conviction, condemnation over something in your life. Know that the blood of Jesus Christ washes all of that clean. Your past does not define you. The blood of Christ defines you. So Jesus, we thank you for that reality of what you've given us. Thank you for your blood. 